Emmy-winning host and TV personality Liliana Vasquez is a trailblazing interviewer, style expert, and one of the OG fashion bloggers. In 2008, she launched CheapChicas.com, a brand that has evolved into what we know today as the LV Guide. Born and raised in Texas to a Puerto Rican father and Mexican mother, she's been a host and contributor at ABC's Today Show, Extra, The Talk, Rachel Ray, The Wendy Williams Show, and Steve Harvey. Liliana made history at E! Entertainment's daily morning shows E! News and Pop of the Morning as the first and only Latina to hold the role in the show's 30-year history. On this episode, we talked about the no she received that made her think her career was over, how she goes about creating opportunities for herself in the media industry, and she opened up about motherhood, both her relationship with her own mother and the relationship she has with her newborn, Santi, and how they've both impacted her professional life. Liliana, thank you so much for spending some time with us today. I know that it takes a lot to take you away from Santiago, your newborn. So thank you. Of course. No, this is totally worth it. And yes, it takes a lot. I think that's one of the quickest lessons I've learned in being a mom is that you really prioritize your time in a way that I probably never have before. I'm not very good with boundaries around time. I want to give and give and give. But you know, when you have a little person that needs you for everything, um, you realize that you don't need to give so much because the things that you need to give to are like right in front of you. So it's like everything else gets put on hold and he gets, gets all of my attention. But I'm so happy that we're doing this. Thank you for having me. I've talked to a few women that like you are very career driven and that previous to motherhood led a very busy life. And when you become a mother, it's a whole new different person, right? Like you become a whole new woman. How do you <laughs> cope with, with the two of you? You know what? I wish I had the answer to that. So I'm nine weeks um, postpartum. And I think that's one of the hardest things um, is that reckoning of the person that you were before you had the baby and then the person that you are now. And I think it's different for every woman, every woman. I think some women feel like, you know, I'm still me. I've just added another role to, to my life. And some women are like, I feel like a completely different version of myself. So I think there's a spectrum of how everybody reacts. You know, for me, I've always said that I think that it's important to grieve the loss as we go through life. And I learned that lesson because I went through IVF for six years to get Santiago. And so one of the lessons I learned in that was as I moved through each loss in IVF, it was important to acknowledge that loss process that loss and let that loss be a part of my next chapter, not to just put it away. I had never really done that before because for me, like I grew up with a really strong mom. I'm half Mexican, half Puerto Rican. And, you know, our moms are like big, bad wolves. Like they are strong through and through in that strength. They often don't know how to be soft because they don't have the luxury to be soft and they don't have the luxury of being vulnerable because a lot of times they're single moms. They're taking care of kids on their own. Um, you know, they're the primary breadwinner for the family, but they're also the primary caretaker. And so I never saw like a lot of softness and vulnerability from my mom because she really didn't have the luxury of sharing that with me. Um, she was always working, trying to take care of us, give us the best education, the best life that we had. And so when you grow up with that, it's hard for you to understand how to be vulnerable, right? And part of being sad um, and part of accepting loss is being really vulnerable. And going through IVF taught me that. And now 
that I have Santi, there's also a loss there of the woman that I was before him. And that's not to say that I want to be that person again. It's just to say, Hey, there was a role and, and there was a time and a place for that girl and that woman. And that woman is gone. And I want to mourn that loss and say, Hey, you know, like, how do I bring back pieces of her? But to say, Oh, that's just the old me. And this is the new me. I think you do a disservice to yourself because the new you doesn't exist without the old you, Mm. quite frankly, you know? So for me, it's finding my footing and, and, you know, taking each day by day, I don't have all of the answers. And yeah, some days I feel like I've got, you know, a split personality. I am like one way with him and I'm kind and I meet him with love at every turn. And then I'm not that person to myself and I'm not that person to the people around me. You know, it's hard. So I'm still figuring that part out. And then I haven't even thrown the career stuff into the mix yet. You know, I'm on maternity leave. So right now I'm just dealing with being a mom and then being like a wife and a daughter. When you bring in, well, who am I as a professional? Oh, Jesus. Like, <laughs> I'm not there yet. You know, so it's, it's, it's complicated is the best way I can put it. Thank you for sharing that. There's something that you said that I want to pick up on. And it's that sometimes our moms don't have the luxury to be kind. And I never thought of it that way, but it's such a brilliant way to put it. You mentioned your mom, who's Mexican, and your father, who's Puerto Rican. And I think that Latino families make up so much of who we become, of who Mm -hmm. we are and also who we become. Is there a piece of advice that each of them gave you that sort of sticks with you today? My mom is probably the strongest woman I know. My tenacity in life is completely um, modeled by the experiences I saw her go through and who she is. I never take no as an answer because my mom never took no as an answer, you know? And so for me, it was that my mom's like, you know, no is just like, you got to find another way to a yes, Miha. like you just got to get there. And if someone tells you no, like keep it moving, find somebody else that will tell you yes. And that has been instrumental, especially in the career that I've chosen, right? I chose to be in television, film and production. It's a really tough industry. I get told no, like all the time, <laughs> like all the time. Um, and I think if I didn't have that, my mom kind of in the back of my head, always saying, keep going, keep going. Like, no, it's just like a little pit stop on the way to a yes. I don't think I would have found the success that I found. I think I would have been discouraged much earlier in my career and I would have stopped. So that's on my mom's side. And then on my dad's side, my dad's an adventurer. That's who he is through and through. And my dad has always been somebody who has said to me, like, work hard, but like always make space for adventure and don't try to like be so regimented and predictable. My dad, listen, he's almost adventurous to a fault, right? My parents were divorced. My dad's like a very free spirit, but that sense of adventure and discovery that I have is all him. And it's make space for adventure in your life, whatever that means. In this industry, you get more no's than you get. Yes. Yes. It's a very reassuring thought because I think that us Latinas and and just young women in general, we have a very clear vision of what we want to achieve. But when there's so many no's, a lot of us can get discouraged. I mean, you've been a, a host for countless of shows, a host and a contributor. But one thing that stuck to me the most is that you were in the radar because of a blog that you created. And you're a very big advocate for starting your own thing. Can you tell me yes. a little bit about that? I grew up in a really entrepreneurial family. And what I mean by that is it was entrepreneurial by need, right? So my mom had to like come up with different businesses to like make ends meet. And so she was always 
very fearless and starting something new and fresh. And she never let her inexperience or her lack of a skill on a resume get in her way of what she wanted. And I remember back, you know, like in 2008, I was reading blogs. And at the time, people didn't really know what blogs were. This was like the days of like Brian Boy. This was like before influencers were influencers. They were just bloggers. And people didn't even know what a blog was. And I remember reading it and I was like, well, I'm a great writer. I have tons of media experience. I wrote for my newspaper in college. I love fashion. I can combine two things that I love, writing and fashion, into a blog. And I did. And because I had an early kind of entree into the blogging world, I realized very quickly how important it is to not just own your content, um, but have a very distinct point of view um, and your own voice in that content. Back in 2008, we went through a terrible recession. And so a way that I lived, which was the cheap chica lifestyle, which is all about value, right? It's like invest in smart fashion pieces, shop at TJ Maxx, shop at Ross. All of a sudden, girls my age who had never had to rethink or think about like not buying that Chanel bag were like, oh, how do I get that like look for less? All that was out there in the marketplace was like editors at like fancy magazines telling you to like buy this, buy that. Okay, well, no one can afford that stuff anymore. So I found my distinct voice because it's who I was. It was true to myself. And I started this blog. And in that process, I read a lot of books. Um, and I remember reading a book, uh, an Oprah Winfrey book. And she said that the key to her success was that she had always been an owner in her content, meaning that nobody owned her, right? Yes, a television station distributed her show, but she was the executive producer and creator of the Oprah Winfrey show. It belonged to her. So the intellectual property of that. And obviously Oprah belonged to her. And I'm like, well, I mean, there's nobody more successful in television. And so I've always thought like you have to own your content. And that's why having your own brand, even if it's tiny, even if it's like a blip on the blog radar is important because you own it and there's value in that. You might not see the value like day one, but if you continue to build it, you will eventually see value in that. And that's what I've done little by little. I've built this value. And yes, I work at E and yes, I've worked at the Today Show and yes, I've worked at Access Hollywood, but I'll be very honest with you. The most lucrative projects, both in terms of opportunity and in terms of money that have come to me, come to me because of my brand, not because I work at E, not because I worked at Access Hollywood. They come to me because I own the LV guide. They come to me because I'm Liliana Vasquez. And it took a long time. I've been building that since 2008. It's 2021. And I'm going to always continue to prioritize me as a content creator, me as a brand over everything that I do. I'm getting chills just hearing you speak because I think that when you compare it that way, you know, 2008 to 2021, that's a lot of years that I'm sure at the very beginning, like you just mentioned, it may not have been profitable. So what do you tell yourself when the thing that you created is not profitable, but you know it has a value and that you know it will eventually, maybe a few years, it could take yeah. off as it has done for you? Well, you know, we live in an Insta world. And what you see a lot happening on social media is you see these brands or these influencers blow up overnight. And they're living this like over the top luxurious lifestyle. And you're like, oh my God, I can't even get somebody to pay me, you know, $500 for a sponsored post. Here's the thing. You cannot have profit without a plan. And in order to make a profit, you need a plan. And a plan can look a million different ways. My plan was I'm going to keep my nine to five job. I'm going to keep my regular job. And this is going to be a side hustle. And to transition from a side hustle to a full-time job requires meticulous planning and budgeting. And I know people don't like the word budget, but like you cannot be out here overspending 
If you want to do your passion as a career, you have got to plan financially to do that. Now, I'm not saying that everybody needs to. No one starts at the same start line, right? So I might have a 20 yard head start on you because maybe my parents can supplement my side hustle. I might start at the 50 yard line because I inherited from my grandmother. Everyone has a different starting point. So don't ever think that everyone starts at zero. They don't. That is a lie that is sold to us through and through and through. And by the way, some of us don't start at zero. Some of us start at like negative 50, right? And we're built, we're working through a deficit to get to just the starting point. So don't think that way. It's like, you've got to really create a plan that's yours. And then obviously comparison is the thief of all joy. Do not compare yourself to somebody else. Do not compare yourself to some influencer because you don't know who's funding that lifestyle. You might think it's them. It's probably not. You know, I've done that. I did that for years. I'd be like, God, I'm over here working so hard. And like this girl has like 18 new outfits and like 30 new bags and like the content's killer. Well, that's probably because she has a family that's helping her. She has a husband that's funding it. Maybe she's independently wealthy because she invested in the stock market at 16 years old and can fund this for herself. And maybe she's able to hire the best production crew to shoot all of her reels. You just don't know. All you can do is work with what you have. And that's what's really important. Maximize the skills that you have, right? So if you're a great storyteller and you're really good at reels, like make reels. Like if you're not great at photography, don't focus on photography. Like focus what you're good at. You can't be good at everything, right? So hone in on what you're really good at. Like what makes you stand out in that space and go with that. I hate to like burst people's bottle, but like Showing up isn't enough to make a business, and it's certainly not enough to make a successful, profitable business. You started pitching the Today Show two years before you ever got on the mm -hmm. Today Show. Yeah. It tells you about the tenacity, right? And it also tells you about the fact that what you want today may find its way to you mm -hmm. years later and not necessarily now. Tell me a little bit about perhaps an opportunity that you were passed on, like the Today Show at the time. What is the, the mental process for you when things don't go your way? Well, I think when things don't go your way, you have to think of it as the universe or whatever you believe in, making space for something that is even bigger and better than what you can even envision. Um, I remember this is like, this predates the Today Show. This was, I remember this moment because it was kind of like a, um, it was like a visceral moment that I felt I was broken down in tears about it. So I had moved from New York to Philadelphia because I got married and my husband lived in Philadelphia and there wasn't a lot of production um, in Philly. It's not like a TV capital of the world. I was coming from New York. And so there were very limited jobs in television and in fashion and in style. And um, I submitted myself for a job at QVC as an on-air host. And I thought, okay, is it my dream job? No, but it's a big deal job. It's got a big salary. It's got benefits and it's in Philly. Perfect. And I love fashion and I'm going to bring all of my fashion sensibility to QVC. This is a win for everybody. So I applied and I made it all the way to the end. And those jobs at QVC are highly, highly coveted. They may not be like the most like flashy jobs. Like they're not the host of E! News, but they're highly coveted. And they're really hard. You have to go through rounds and rounds of interviews and trials. And I got right to the end and it was down to me and two other people and they were going to hire two people. So pretty good odds, right? You're like, I got this. I got this. I got this. I got this. Hello. I got this. I didn't. I didn't get it at all. <laughs> so they picked the other two people and not me. And at the time, I couldn't see past that opportunity. To me, the best job that I was ever going to have in my television career was a host on QVC. 
that was it for me. I'm not, and I say this because it's like taken me a while to be able to say this. I know that people are like, dream big, dream bigger. When you don't come from abundance, which is not the way I was raised, it's really hard to see that for yourself. It's really hard to picture something that is bigger and better and like, you know, out of my reach. I just didn't have those skills at that age, at 26, 27, 28. I do now in my 40s, but I'm a different person at 40 than I was at 27. And so that was the peak. That was it. That was my dream job. And they told me no. And I remember I got the news on the phone. They called me. The head of casting called and said, you know, we love you. We just don't feel like you're the right fit for this. And I was waiting for an elevator and the elevator opened. And I'll never forget the people in the elevator looking at me, bawling my eyes out. And they were like, are you going to get in? And I was like, no. And I'm sitting there literally hysterical crying. I say, thank you so much for the opportunity. It was wonderful to meet you all. I hang up the phone. I call my husband. I literally had a breakdown. I think it was at the doctor in the, at the doctor's office, like in the hallway. And I said to my husband, this is it. My career in television is over. I said those words. My career in television is over. I didn't get this job. This means that like, I don't have the skill set. I don't have what it takes to be on TV. I'm not pretty enough to be on TV. I'm not good at public speaking. All of the doubts, all of those insecurities that live inside you all came like word vomit out of me. And my husband said to me, Liliana, I love you. But like, you have to understand that you are meant for something so much bigger than this. Okay. <laughs> that was back in 2008, nine. Look at where we are now in 2021. I have covered the Oscars for a major network. I spent seven years at the Today Show in, I think, one of the most coveted roles in television. Um, I was the only and first Latina host of E! News, a show that I grew up watching that I would look at Juliana Rancic and never dream that I could possibly hold court on that set in that stage. I've done it all. And by the way, I'm not done. So you really have to understand that like sometimes the universe or God or whatever you believe in is just actually looking out for you. And you're going to have to go through really, really hard no's and really bad lows. But sometimes you just have to understand that you can't see the possibilities for yourself. Maybe you can't dream that big, but somebody else can dream it for you. So it's okay. And it's hard, but you just got to stay the course. And by the way, through that process, you also have to do the work, right? It's not like anyone just gave me the Today Show job or just gave me the job at E. I worked my ass off. So I took that no and I like, you know, I like put my big girl canciones on and I was like, you know what, I'm going to improve on everything that they told me. And I went back to the casting director and I said, let me know what I can do to improve. And that's something that people don't like. People don't like feedback. If you don't like feedback, you're not going to get better. You're not going to grow. So like take honest feedback and don't take it as a critique. Take it as an opportunity to better yourself. I better myself every day. I ask for feedback at every turn, even now. I ask my boss for feedback all the time. They hired me to host e-news. I think I'm good, but I'm still not great. You know what I mean? So every opportunity is an opportunity to get better. Never stop learning. I love that humility because I think that there was a saying that I grew up listening to and, and hearing in Puerto Rico, and it's that, hoy mejor que ayer. Like, today you're better than you were yesterday. So it's sort yeah. of like a, a life motto, right? Like, you, you want to continue getting better 
each and every day because there is the opportunity of getting better. So tell me about, a little bit about the specific things that you worked on and how you worked on them. So um, I am self-taught in the sense of broadcast. Um, I started in radio. So I had an incredible foundation because with radio, A, you don't have access to visual images. So you have to be an incredibly strong and concise writer. And I worked in radio for four years in college. I, were, I interned at NPR. And so the foundation for my writing skills and the foundation for me as a presenter is the spoken word. And what that does is it builds a great communicator. It's like having a podcast. You don't have visual images. And I always tell people, especially young men and women who are like, I want to be in TV. I want to be in TV. And I'm like, you should go work in radio. And nobody wants to hear that. By the way, nobody wants to hear that. Um, and I don't care because if you can tell a story with your spoken word and you can tell the story with words on paper, when you get the opportunity to incorporate video and moving images, your story will blow away any competitor's story. And so for me, that foundation that I had from college, I built on, right? I wrote a blog, like you have to be an amazing writer. So I was always writing. I wrote a book, right? I work <laughs> my book proposal. My publisher asked for 30,000 words. I turned in 80,000 words. 80,000 words. I basically wrote three books. Um, and that's because I love to write. So what are those critical skills in the job that you want? And what are the skills that are not so fun? Don't work on the fun stuff, the fun stuff, like personality, how you dress, like hair and makeup. That is so fun. You don't need to work on those things. Okay. Nobody's hiring you unless you're a makeup artist. No one's hiring you because you have a bomb smoky eye. Okay. They're hiring you because you're an incredible writer. They're hiring you because you're a brilliant storyteller. They're hiring you for skills that take practice. Now I didn't get to hone those skills at J school. Right. So I had a lot to me. I had a lot to make up, but I'm scrappy and I'm willing to do the work. Um, and then the other thing is, you know, look at the people around you and always have mentors. I think that's really, really important. And I know that's like cliche advice, but your mentors don't have to be people that are like so above you. I always think like sometimes it's important to have peer mentors and not necessarily mentors that are like executives, um, because it's nice to talk to other people in your field that are maybe like one or two steps ahead of you, not 10 steps ahead of you. Their advice tends to be more practical um, and more advice that you can actually enact in your day to day versus someone who's 10 years ahead of you. You still need those people, but to do the learning and to do the work, you almost need more peer to peer type mentors. Now that you mentioned mentors, I think the media industry, but also other industries, it's it's a little bit about who knows of you and who you know of. So can you tell me a little bit about how you approach relationship building within the industry? Um, I always lead with my work, right? Um, I always say, um, I, I use the expression, yo, yo vengo de nada, right? Like I don't come from a family that has connections. Um, financial connections, like industry connections. So I'm building from scratch and I have to let my work speak for myself. So anytime that I would be put on a project um, and say there was like 10 people on the project and it was like a brand project, right? There was like a PR person, there was a branding person, um, there was a video editor. I look at all of those people and I'm like, okay, who can I learn from in this group, right? Take them out for coffee, like super simple. Um, and again, you can learn from everyone around you. It doesn't have to be somebody who has some big title at some big company, because when you come de nada, you don't have access to those people. People always say, oh, like reach out to me. They're not going to answer your email. And if they do more power to you, that's amazing. I've had some cold emails answered, but you know what? Like 
I'm looking for real advice that I can take and like put into my life tomorrow. If you're staffed on a project and you've got, and you're like a freelancer, look at what everybody does, go on their Instagram, go on their Twitter, see what they do. And if any of the things that they do interest you, take them out for coffee, like do an informational interview, but like make it, by the way, make it easy for them, right? Make it easy. And don't think that you have to have access because their network that you don't currently have might be a network that you can tap into. And if you impress them and they like you, they might be like, Hey, I actually know somebody that does this. I should introduce you. So every connection is an opportunity for an introduction. So you have to wow the connections that you do have in order to get those bigger connections. And it's not easy, but you really need to network with the network that you have. Trying to build some network of like, you know, C-level executives or like executive producers at telepictures. Sadly, I say this, but I think especially for like young Latinos and Latinas, we don't have a lot of contacts in that industry because we're not represented in that industry. Like I can count on two hands, like the executives that have names with Z's that come from like Mexico, Argentina, like Central America, Puerto Rico. There's not that many of us. When you find one of us, like hold on and hold on tight. I want to pick up on something that you said is that it's very important for us to network with our peers. I have one of my favorite stories to tell is when I was working advice, my title was social multimedia producer, and I wanted to become a correspondent for the Vice on HBO show. I was within the Vice News digital team, and even though I was with, within the social team, I noticed that there was someone close to me that sat next to me who was a producer, a digital producer. Her name is Milena. and. Milena is a black woman. She was within my team and I was the only Latina in the team. So of course, like we bonded all over the fact that we were the minorities. The only women, the only women of color. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Only women of color because I don't like the term minorities. And as Me Milena, no, we we that, that has changed. We are the we have we are the majority. I posted that on Instagram the other day. I was like, stop calling yourself. a. You are devaluing the power that you have. We are not a minority. Look around. I live in L.A. I'm a majority. I don't know what y'all are doing. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Milena, she noticed that I had a, um, a passion for production, even though I, had, I hadn't done production in the past. And I said, you know, I have all these contacts within the Latinx music industry. What can we do within Vice? Because Vice wasn't covering Latino artists at all. <laughs> Like now you see them covering. Oh my God. I know. Yeah. She was the person who taught me basically how to produce a show. I pitched the show to the culture desk advice and I came up with my own show called Currently Obsessed. And we interviewed Nati Natasha, Anuel, and other artists that, that are not part of Anglo media, basically. And when you think about it, I didn't go straight to the executive producer with the idea, right? Like I. No went to the peer who was already doing that work and she sort of like guided me through the way of how can I create the concept, right? That then the executive producer will say right. yes to. So that's a very specific example of how what you have been telling us works in real life. It's true. It's all of those lateral connections. You know, there's so much focus in these girl boss books and these like, you know, that's like up, up. Sometimes the trajectory isn't up. Sometimes the trajectory is lateral. Sometimes the trajectory is down. And this concept that it's constantly working up and up and up, it hurts us. And it especially hurts people of color because that is not a natural trajectory that we have the privilege of having. 
Um, and so it's important to share that story and it's important to share to people, hey, sometimes you just got to network right here, just lateral. And if you can just start there, you will eventually find that build that will head in an upward trajectory, but it doesn't need to happen for you to have success. What decision did you think was the decision that sort of like was key to the development of who you've become in the industry? Well, it came from a piece of advice. I was working at New York Live, which was a local show on uh, NBC New York. And um, we have two hosts and they're amazing. They're still there. Um, and I was just a correspondent. And, you know, in my head, I was like, oh, well, maybe when one of them is out, I'll get to fill in on the anchor desk. I had been having this conversation in my head for three years that I wanted to anchor, that I wanted to fill in. I had never communicated that goal to the one person that could put me in that chair. I never asked. I never asked. Three years. I never asked. I never communicated a professional goal and desire of mine to the one person that can make it happen. So since then, I never stop asking. I'm crazy. I ask for everything. I, at the Today Show, I was like, I want to fly to California and cover um, Seat Beauty. Um, they're the people that make KKW Beauty and the people that make Kylie Lip Kits. And they were like, what? I was like, yeah. And they're like, no. I was like, okay, cool. Next week, I want to fly to LA and I want to cover Seat Beauty. And I'm telling you, Kylie Lip Kits are going to blow up. And what happened? Kylie Lip Kits could blow up. And they're like, hey, Liliana, remember that? Do you have a contact at Seat Beauty? I was like, why? As a matter of fact, I do. They're like, great. You're on a flight tomorrow. So you just have to ask for the things you want. We were in the middle of a global pandemic. Everything was shut down. And I said, I want to, I want to host, produce, write, and direct a show for Peacock. I told my boss that. And she was like, yes. you don't have a studio. You don't have a studio. You don't have a camera person. You don't have an editor. You don't have a writer. I said, I don't need any of that. I have me and I have a green screen. Can I do this? And she's like, pitch it, do it, shoot it, and we'll see. So I did. And guess what? What's the only and first show greenlit for Peacock from E! News was my show, Pop on Peacock. We did almost 200 episodes and it was basically all in the beginning in its infancy stages, produced, directed, self-shot and edited by me. So again, I said, I want to do a show on Peacock. It's the biggest priority for this network in the last hundred years. I want to do it. And we did it. So just ask. Of course, we're all more skilled in certain areas than we are in other areas. So how do you find the time to sort of like learn the, the skills that you need in order to take your career to the next level when you perhaps are not as skilled in an area that you want to be? Um, so again, it's all about asking for help, right? It's, it's acknowledging that you are not great at everything and that's okay. Um, it's finding people that are better than you and smarter than you and learning from them. So for example, at the Today Show, I had the privilege of working with, I think, one of the best editors in the marketplace right now. He had come from like film and television at, to the Today Show. So he brings like a very kind of like um, glossy version of news. And I was fortunate enough to get paired with him. And our pieces were like incredible. They were submitted for like awards. And because Aaron is such a great editor and I needed to learn how to edit this show pop on Peacock, what he did was I went to him and I said, Hey, here's what I have in mind. We talked it through. He did a rough cut of the show for me as a favor. Okay. As a favor, he did a rough cut of the show. And he was like, is this what you envision? And I was like, Oh my God, no, this is so much better. And he was like, okay. He's like, but you're going to have to like finish it yourself. I don't have time to do this. I already spent an entire day cutting this for you. I was like, cool. I got it. And so it's really asking again, got to be comfortable at making ask 
asking for help for the people that from the people that are really good at those things. So I'm still not an amazing editor. It's a skill I'm self-taught and I'm not great at it, but by the way, I'm a thousand times better today than I was last summer when I was in a pandemic and I hadn't cut one thing. And now I can like cut little mini reels for any project that I have. And it's such a valuable skill set because that's a tool that I use when I pitch. Is there something that you're too afraid to do? Is there something that you still haven't done? I mean, it sounds like, of course, you've done so much with your career, but a little before you said that there's so much more coming. Yes. And I'm trying to say this more and more. I think the more I say it, the more comfortable I'll be when I finally take the plunge. I think something about speaking it out into existence is real. I want to write for scripted. I really want to write a scripted project. I have a great friend who is an incredible writer. He's brilliant. And he works on scripted shows only. And we're talking like big shows, like for HBO, like Fox, like really big ones. He is such an advocate of mine and such a believer. And he's like, you just have to put pen to paper. But I have this fear that people are like, oh, but you're some like fashion host, entertainment person on E. Like what business do you have writing a scripted series? And I think the question is, why wouldn't I? Why not? Why not? So I think that's something that I'm terrified of because I'm terrified of being bad at something, but I'd rather be bad at something than never have tried it all. Once the first script project that you put together comes out, because it will come out eventually, <laughs> you'll, you'll listen back to this audience say, why was I so afraid? Look at all the- I'm so afraid. I've had. I'm so afraid. It's like, literally, I get like heart palpitations, just even saying it. People are like, and I get asked that question all the time, like, what's next? And I think it's okay. I think that like fear can be a really big motivator if it's channeled in the right way. And so every time I'm faced with that question, I force myself to say it out loud um, because I have that like, should I say it? Is it too much? Is it crazy? Thank you for asking that question. Thank you for like letting me share that I'm fearful of that because I think oftentimes people think that to be successful, you have to be this like always super bold, super confident person. And, you know, those are wonderful things to be, but they don't exist by themselves. You can be fearful and confident. You can be bold and fearful and you can just be fearful and still find your way to success. I I've realized that sometimes the thing that we're most fearful about is the thing that we want the most. Yeah. So that tells you something. Just follow, follow yeah. that gut, <laughs> that gut feeling. Liliana, if you could tell your future self one thing, mm -hmm. what would that be? Gosh, I would say to be a little bit kinder to myself. I always think we're hardest on ourselves. I think that's also learned behavior. When you're first generation, there's so much pressure put on you, even for when you're really little. And it's, we don't understand it when you're little and it's, it takes a lot to process it. But as I've kind of like worked through some of those generational things and some like, you know, just trauma stuff, I feel like we're not the kindest to ourselves, especially, I mean, when you're first generation, sometimes your entire family depends on your success and you always want to give back and you want to be successful for them and you want to provide for them. And oftentimes in that hustle and, and in that, I mean, it's a big weight to carry. And when you carry that weight, you aren't the kindest to yourself. You know, there's just too much pressure. So I think be kinder. Um, be more patient. You know what I mean? And like, if you don't take care of yourself, this is a lesson I've learned with motherhood. If you don't take care of yourself, like you're really not capable of taking care of others. Beyond your work, how do you want to be remembered? Oh, um, I want to be remembered as somebody that continually created opportunity and open doors for others. I always said that, you know, 
One of my greatest joys was the day the announcement came out that I was going to be the first Latina host of E! News. I was so proud of my family, of their struggle, of my mom's struggle for getting me there. I was so proud of myself um, for getting there. But I always say that my greatest joy will be when the next host of E! News is another Latina or Latino. That will be my greatest joy. Here are my top takeaways from our conversation. Number one, let fear move you, but only forward. Don't you ever let it stop you from going after what you truly want. Number two, lateral networking at an event is often more powerful than going after C-level executives. When you collaborate with your peers, you're building a network of soon-to-be executives. Number three, stop comparing yourself with others on social media, really. And I say this as a reminder to myself as well. Thank you so much for listening. Gracias, mi gente. Be sure to follow, subscribe, and leave us a review. That's so helpful and exciting to us. If you learned something from this episode, share it with a friend. I'm sure they'll enjoy it as well. We drop new episodes every single Monday morning, but you can always find us on Instagram at El ADN Podcast. And before you leave, we want to hear your takeaways from today's guest. Share with us via Instagram stories and don't forget to tag El ADN Podcast and Victoria Leandra for a regram. See you next week. Hasta la próxima, familia.